And that's really where curiosity comes in because you're like, where is this going to go? What can I discover around this room or this location that we're creating on the fly? Where can we go with this? You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. If you've listened in before, you know I ask each guest to make an analogy to curiosity with a word they get by drawing a scrap of paper out of this big jar that I have. And I warn guests that this is coming, but there's really no way to prepare. We make things up on the spot. No editing. And I managed to get some folks at Clarendon Day to play along with me as well. So in my show, I ask my guests to do an analogy to curiosity. So we we pull a word out of a jar, and then they have to come up with an analogy to curiosity. Would you like to give that a try? Go ahead. No, you go ahead, baby. No, you go ahead. (laughs) All right, here you go. All right. That's all right. I would say curiosity is like an airplane because it's always taking you to new places. Very cool. I don't know if I have a high enough SAT score for this. (laughs) No one has ever failed this activity, ever. Time limit? No time limit. Okay. Okay, so... Can I, can I phone a friend? <laughs> the word is dandelions. And uh, dandelions are more than a flower. They're a symbol, aren't they? Dandelions are something that you pick up uh, when you're a kid and where, when the world has not drummed curiosity out of you. And uh, you blow on the dandelion and it scatters in all directions. And it's a, it's a moment for reflection, and it's a moment for uh, turning within and relaxing a little bit and exercising your curiosity about the world. That's how I feel about dandelions. Our word is walking. How can we do with walking and being curious? Hmm? You don't know? How about when we go hiking and we go to new places that we've never been, we're being curious and we're using our walking to learn about those places, and we're exploring when we're hiking or walking. I want to explore. What to explore? They did a great job. I was so impressed. They improvised, as we all do, and that struck me as a great curiosity conversation. What's the secret to improv when you fly without a net, making things up as you go along? Choosing to be curious must fit in there somewhere. But who to interview? Jesse Robinson is the coordinator here at WERA. He's as close as I get to a boss these days. And if Jesse tells me I have to do something, I darn well do it. He's in charge. So like any good subordinate, I was chatting him up one day. And I learned that he's also an actor with a specialty in improv. So here he is. Welcome, Jesse. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me, Lynn. I am actually very excited about this conversation because <laughs> I figure, well, if anybody can handle this sort of thing, it's going to be somebody who knows something about improv. So explain improv. What is it? Improv, obviously short for improvisation mm-hmm. uh, or improvisational comedy. Um, improv is something that has never been done before and not ever to be repeated again it's all created in the moment on the spot there's no script um when i would teach improv to younger students in the past it was 
we, we explain improv to them as acting without a script. Uh-huh. And that's uh-huh. exactly what you're doing. There's nothing laid out beforehand, nothing prepared, no script, no notes, anything. You're just on the fly. So to some people, that sounds like torture. Terrifying, yeah. <laughs> so many people are so terrified of it, really. Right. So so what about it appeals to you? I, I, I've i always loved performing, uh-huh. starting as an actor in theater and, and, and in high school and middle school. And then in high school, we actually had an improv show. It was a short form improv, oh, cool. kind of like what you'd see on like a Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh-huh. kind of short form games and one liners and stuff like that. You were still making it up on the spot, but you had more of the circumstances and everything laid out for you. And now I've kind of progressed into a love of long form, um, as well as what we like to call an improv game. Uh A game Uh is, is what is funny in the scene? What is, what is the big event in the scene that you're going to play on and bring back Throughout the uh, throughout the course of the scene and throughout the course of the the whole improv set. So how do you get there? I mean, how do you decide what those things are going to be? I mean, how do you choose from all of the great outdoors that you have to choose from? <laughs> so uh, usually, when uh, when you start an improv show, you'll ask the audience for a place or an event or just a one word suggestion. And then you can choose to do different associations with whoever you're performing with to get you ready and get the ideas sort of flowing for what sort of scenes are going to unfold. Common initiations like this are uh, like a word association line Mm -hmm. where the entire Mm -hmm. team will line up in a line uh, and they'll take the word like so the audience says dog. And they go down the line of what that word reminds them of uh-huh. based off of the last person's word. Uh-huh. And that just creates a whole uh, a whole town of ideas that you can then pick on for these different scenes. And really play off it. Right. And yeah. it's so funny to see an audience respond about like, oh, that was the word I suggested or uh-huh. they brought that word up. Uh-huh. And, and uh-huh. it comes back in some way. It may even just be the simplest theme that reminds of that word that we brought up. Uh-huh. But it still will uh, strike a chord with the audience, and that's really something yeah. special. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that energy between oh. you and the audience in improv, because it has to be qualitatively different than a scripted performance. Is that right? Right, 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 right. Uh, and when people watch a movie and people are familiar with a play, they know exactly where it's going to go. They know what to expect. They know when to laugh. That's why it's always such a crazy energy with improv because you don't know all of a sudden it may take a serious turn or all of a sudden there might be just the funniest line and you're just ready to absorb it. That's why sometimes there's a delay in audience response or laughter because it'll take them a half second. They were going right. It'll take them a half second to realize what's going on in the improviser's head. Like what's they can, they can almost tell with you as you're progressing into a funny situation Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. A A lot of the times the, energy of an improv set will be based off of the audience's energy. If they're not really responding well, it could just be a show that the uh, the improvisers are going to just try and have fun with themselves, you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, I can imagine that there are shows where you all are actually really 
delighted with kind of what you've been able to do in the craft, but mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily work <laughs> with the audience. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. There are there are certain nights where it's definitely an improviser show where we do things for ourselves where it was like, wow, that was really great internally and uh, and maybe the audience didn't pick up on some things. Sometimes you have a mainstream audience. Sometimes you have an improv audience. Yeah. It really does depend on the audience. Uh, but then some nights you'll have where uh, – <laughs> We we all had fun together as a group, but it was terrible improv. <laughs> well, I know Jerry Seinfeld has said that a laugh is full of information. Absolutely. So obviously it's improv, right? So you can change direction. You see something's not really going somewhere. You can kind of think like, where else can I go with this, right? Right, absolutely. And improv has rules, but those rules are broken all the time. If it's going to work for the scene, then heck yeah, let's go to outer space. Or there's nothing to say that those of you who are on the stage, kind of in the scene at the core of it, can't go like, well, I'm running with that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. If they yeah. bring, if the scene is going nowhere, if we're just having a conversation and we really haven't established our relationship, mm-hmm. where we are, a walk-on could come on and say, "Oh, here's your coffee. Here's your uh, here's your tea." And now we've established that we're in this place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it was Keegan Michael Key from Key and Peel who actually explained it. Like you have uh, improv is like you're looking through a very small microscope. And then uh, uh-huh. everything that is uh, added to a scene broadens it, uh-huh. and you uh-huh. and the audience has a bigger, better view of what's going on. And it's one of the reasons that I thought curiosity was a great conversation here is the yes and absolutely rule, because I think curiosity is a lot about yes and. Oh. So describe how <laughs> yes and shows up in your line of work. I just realized that that is so cool. Uh, I think improv is, and that's this is why you see some improvisers during the day when they're not performing, they're going into office buildings and uh-huh. doing these uh, improvisational exercises with these businessmen and women who need to learn how to say yes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to different mm-hmm. circumstances that are presented to them in everyday life, in work, at home, in your family. Yes, and. You never want to negate someone. That's also a big rule of improv, saying no can really hurt a scene and it can hurt you in life too. The big thing is saying yes and to your partner, giving gifts to your partner, not taking away from them to make yourself seem funny. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like the emphasis on partnership. You know, I, I hadn't really focused on that element of it, but as I began to think about it and do a little bit of reading about it and thinking about on all the improvs that I've ever seen, I thought, oh, right, this is so much right. about having other people's backs. Oh, absolutely. And uh, an improv team that doesn't hang out together after rehearsal or go get a drink together, go eat together or do an activity together, it's not going to go very well. You have to uh, get to know your team and get to know the people you're performing with before you just go out there cold like that. You want to know their style. You want to know uh, what uh, what they might be thinking in that scenario. And that leads ultimately to what we call groupthink, mm-hmm. which means if, if, if our word was, if we had a scenario with a couple words like dog, bank, and car, mm-hmm. uh, the group think you would hope is that a couple other people on the back line are thinking, okay, uh, this dog is trying to rob a bank or Uh something like Uh that. Uh And you want to be able to, or at least have the direction. It doesn't have to be that specific. Just do we have a group think 
of where this scene can progress so and ultimately end up. So this is groupthink with a positive twist. Because sometimes right. people talk about groupthink and it's like it's sort of painted you into a corner. But you're actually thinking of it in terms of like we're kind of coalescing in a, in a compatible way. Like we're seeing a place yeah. we can go with this as a group. Right. And Nice. Yeah. And you, you don't want to – in improv especially, you don't want to have – six individuals on stage doing their own thing and putting their own thing to sound funny, doing a crazy thing on their own. You want to have a support system. You want to have other people knowing where this is going to go. And I have your back. That's one of the biggest things we used to do before Mason improv shows is that we would uh, pat each other on the back before we go on stage and say, I got your back. Nice. And that's one of the biggest things in improv. You have to be with them, not against them or for yourself on the stage because it's not going to work out well. Yeah. So when you're kind of making stuff up, I mean, obviously things come from the audience, but then there's a kind of association that you do with those things, right? Because they're not giving you everything. Right. They're just giving you some raw materials. So I think of that... As you had to have been sort of curious, like what do I th- what do I associate with that? What does that make me think of? Um, how does it make me feel? Where where can I be funny with this? I mean, is all of that going on in your head while you're standing up there trying Absol- to keep me entertained? Absolutely, <laughs> and that's why so many people find it terrifying uh-huh. to just be able to try and come up with this stuff on the spot and try to make it relevant, and in the in in also doing so trying to be funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you don't want to try and be funny. You want to. Find that funny in realistic circumstances that you've created out of thin air yeah. on well, the stage. Well, improv doesn't – I mean, it, it's often funny. It's usually funny, I right. guess, in the way it's practiced here. But it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be, right? I mean, you could do a, a straight-up serious Oh, absolutely. We, yeah. and, but when you find the reality uh-huh. in a scene, people think it's funny. funny. And So if, if I were in a scene with uh, one of my scene partners and we're just having like a, a quiet – like really serious moment of like creating dinner, husband and wife sort of thing. The awkward tension between us in that serious moment will people will find it funny. It'll translate as funny. Oh, that's because it's real. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and you mentioned this that they use improv training for people in business and with scientists. Alan Alda is actually going and doing workshops with scientists at NASA. Right. For improv. Improv's as everywhere. A, yeah. yeah, as a as a communication strategy. Oh, yeah. Both because you have to you really have to listen and it's all about am I connecting to whoever it is that's listening to me. So what a great life skill. Right. If you think about it, I mean, every time you pick up a phone and call someone, Mm -hmm. every time you're having a conversation with someone and catching up, you're really improvising a a dialogue with Mm -hmm. them and keeping Mm -hmm. it going. So it's really a great skill to have, a social skill to have and be able to maintain a basic conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I had not realized that a lot of what we think of as kind of current improv and certainly kind of theater games and improv games came from a woman named Viola Spolin who created the games to help immigrant kids who didn't who were second language operating in second language so it was a lot of mime and again sort of helping one another out and just they didn't know what they were going to be running into so they had to be able to improvise right. so it was kind of a role playing improvisation which I thought was so interesting and 
And she then, you know, carried it into the education setting, which is where she was, and said that, you know, creativity is not the clever rearranging of the known, that it's all about working with the unknown. Oh, absolutely. And and I think that's great what you mentioned there because education of improv is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. I recommend that everybody take at least a basic improv class, uh-huh. whether it's low level or character development or just kind of a social background. So what does a class like that consist of? If somebody decides they're going to be curious, they're going to go do this okay. thing, <laughs> what are they going to encounter? Well, there's a couple different places you could take improv classes in D.C. Uh-huh. or if you want to take a bus all the way up to UCB and start those classes in New uh-huh. York. That's uh-huh. really the, the mecca of improv there in Chicago, really, uh-huh. are the two biggest uh-huh. places. Um, but Is that they, the Citizens Brigade? Yeah, Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah. They perform there. Yep, UCB. So yeah, in uh, in an improv class, uh, usually you'll start off with basic warm-ups, uh-huh. um, sort of getting to know everybody, different icebreakers, stuff like that. And then you'll try and dive into some sort of character development, maybe play a game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for example, if it's 3-2-1, I jump into this circle and I'm like, well, uh, the the boss is not too happy with you. And then everyone in the circle would be like, well, the boss is not too happy with you. Oh, Different icebreakers like that. Yeah, and yeah. then usually once you dive a little bit more into the actual uh, scenes of improv, you'll uh, you'll get to do one-on-one scenes or maybe uh, uh, a three-sentence scene. Uh, it's really cool to see scenes that don't, Start with dialogue right away. You have start two, with start with just an action. You just, yeah, or you something. have you have uh-huh. two people come out and they kind of feel out the space. Uh-huh. They kind of go with it, and that's really where curiosity comes in because you're like, where is this going to go? What can I discover around this room or this location that we're creating on the fly? Yeah. Where yeah. can we go with this? And so you let it develop. And so when we were uh, practicing rehearsing for Mason Improv Association, we would frequently play that sort of um, exercise mm-hmm. where it's like, well, uh, you're not going to speak for a minute. Mm. This scene is going to develop uh-huh. without uh-huh. any dialogue. Wow, wow. Because a lot of improv is also uh, – doing it not just talking about it right you want to get to your location you want to get to the end game the end point where you're going to really have that payoff instead of just sitting and commenting on it uh-huh uh-huh well and just sort of getting into the game i mean you can't right. it's a it's definitely well i guess it is a spectator sport but it's <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say it's not a spectator sport but it is but you know it's so interesting because i had been thinking of it in this curiosity context from the actor's perspective. But you were just talking about sort of, you know, you come out and you start to do something, and I thought, and the audience at that point is nothing but curious, right? Right. They have no idea where this is going. And that's a very exciting place for an audience to be. We don't allow ourselves to be in that place very often. Right. Where you're like, I don't know where this is right. going. Where are they going with this? It's so interesting. And that's where it kind of relates, where we can relate as improvisers with the audience because, like I said, this isn't scripted. We don't know when act two is supposed to end. Right. We don't know exactly where we're going. 
So in the same vein with the audience, we don't know exactly where this is going. We're we're finding this out as we progress too. We may have a, a clearer idea through the groupthink or through what we're trying to develop that the audience may get later, but in the same vein, we're still kind of discovering it. Everyone is discovering it at the end, which kind of makes the payoff really, really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I came, as I was working on this and thinking about this, I came across a great quote that I had collected for other purposes from a guy named Tony Schwartz, best known perhaps okay. right now as the guy who wrote The Art of the Deal on ah, <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah. But he, he's a, you know, he does coaching and, and right. consulting and stuff. Right. And he wrote, let go of certainty. The opposite isn't uncertainty. It's openness, curiosity, right. and a willingness to embrace paradox rather than to choose up sides. And I thought, right. that's like an anthem for improv, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It? You, if you're not open-minded yeah. in improv, if you don't have that willingness to explore a scene, if you go out there, nope, I'm going to do this, this, and it's going to go here without having room to be flexible or to be curious and see where this other avenue could go. If you come out and you initiate a scene where you're pouring a cup of coffee and in your head you have that this is um, that this is uh, a coffee shop, mm-hmm. don't be afraid if the next person comes in and initiates with the first line of dialogue and says, hey, honey, you made me some coffee. That's really <laughs> right. great. Right. Um, don't be afraid to explore that other avenue. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to see you doing improv, Jesse, where would they find Ooh, you? Um, well, I just finished up. I graduated from George Mason. I was the president of the Mason Improv Association. Um, but since I've graduated, I've moved on from that uh-huh. team. I actually have a new radio show, the Provcast, will be coming to WERA. Oh, cool. Uh, a 30-minute uh, conversation with a local improviser or comedian oh, each week. Nice. Um, so you'll be able to hear that. And I've, I've just kind of, after Mason Improv, been either auditioning here and there or just doing different improv jams when I can. Oh. Um, it, it's, a lo- it's a lot of commitment to run a radio station, yes. but... Uh, I just uh, auditioned for another improv team in D.C., so uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm trying to get on to a a team that performs regularly again because it really is. I miss it. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it sounds like it's something that really would become so much a part of your day and and your community as well. Right. And I mean, I was talking to Paul LaValle, our AIM executive director, and he was like, yeah, of course you need to get on a new team. That stuff probably runs in your veins now, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to improvise right here. Okay. Um, so I have my big jar of wannabe analogies. All right. Here we go. Okay. It is a big jar. I know. See, right? All right. So, I'm going to um, go towards the bottom. Let's okay. see what we have Dig down in. here. Okay. Take one out. I'm going to take it. one, and I'm going to take one for our audience. Okay. Do you want to go, or you want me to go? Ladies first, please. Oh, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um Curiosity is like a ukulele. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Curiosity is like a ukulele um, because um, it's actually one of those things that people sometimes make fun of but can generate a lot of um, joyful noise, and, um, and it's fun to play with. So that's There's our group thing, because I was going to say that part. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So what do you have? Okay, here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> Curiosity is like a fever. Oh, because okay. here we go. Because once you catch it, it's really hard to kick. Uh, once yeah. you once you have it, it's really hard, and you probably have to do something on purpose to get rid of that curiosity. Yeah. You probably have to tell yourself, "No, I don't want to be curious," in order to escape it. Because once you try something and the payoff, uh-huh. uh, like for example, an improv, once you try something on stage, once you break out of your comfort zone and you go with the flow and let it happen, and then the payoff happens, you really don't want to break out of that fever. You're in <laughs> improv <laughs> fever. You're in curiosity fever. So it has got to be a song about that. Song. Right, 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 right. So, uh, so yeah, it's like a fever and my temperature is pretty hot for, uh, for improv and curiosity. I love it. I love it. And so audience, your analogy um, is bright red cardinal. This one's really specific. Bright red How cardinal. How is curiosity like a bright red cardinal? I'm Really interested to see what people come up with. Yeah, I'd like to see those results. I know, I know. So, Jesse, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for being a very fun boss. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And for taking this trip down an improv curiosity lane. It's been great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Stick around. Wendy Mann is up next with the Story Hour. And don't miss Jesse and the Provcast Thursday nights at 7.30. Take a moment to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Choose to be curious. Don't forget to send us your bright red cardinal analogy. Hashtag analogy. Special thanks to Jesse Robinson for today's conversation and to all those unsuspecting folks in Clarendon who improvised analogies with me. My big jar runneth over. I hope you'll join us next time. And until then... Choose to be curious. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. When you put your arms around me, I get a fever that's so hard to bear. You give me fever. When you kiss me, fever. When you hold me tight, fever. In the morning, a fever all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, a fever all through.